Hello, little killers. Welcome back to Spilling Eve. I am Christy LaPointe, and we are here to talk about Season 3, Episode 6, End of Game, written by Chrissy Ducker, directed by Shannon Murphy. I don't really have that much top of show business to get into. Haha, <laughs> show business. So let's just hop straight into the recap. Later on in the episode, we're going to be joined by the lovely Amanda Pereira, who will be our guest this week. But for now, let's just talk about everything that happened in this episode. So we open on St. Pacras, London. Pronunciation check to my UK listeners. I, I saw that and I right away said to myself, I, I said it out loud. I was like, okay, fine, I'll look up where it is. And then it was quickly revealed that it was a hospital. And I thought, yeah, okay, I guess I don't really care or need to look anything up. So Eve is there and twist. Nico's alive. So Nico is in this hospital room and Eve is having a bit of a confrontation with Nico's relative. She tries to, you know, argue with him and he says he knew she was never any good and he told Nico not to marry her. And Nico basically has the guy leave even though he cannot speak and he's a little bit like just out of being comatose. And Eve tries to have a tender moment with him. And Nico says, types through his soundboard. And we hear the audio, piss off forever, which is also the text on screen. Continuing in this season three trend of text on screen just being the Wild West and not having to be a location, but sometimes being a location or being whatever the hell the writers want. That's the whole cold open. Quick, punchy, surprise, Nico's alive. Then we are with Villanelle, and she is waiting at a fancy boardroom, and the Parisian lady from the Twelve welcomes her, and she, Camilla, Camilla, Camille Cotin, I swear I can pronounce words. I'm half French. Villanelle asks her name, and the woman says her name is Helene, and they, then Villanelle right away calls her on it and says, is that your real name? And Helene asks, you know, why do you know why I wanted to meet you in person and talks about the fact that she's been watching her. And she says she wanted to tell Villanelle the good news in person that she is going to be a keeper. Villanelle's so happy and, oh, we're going to have this moment of celebration with champagne. But right away, uh, Villanelle is then given a, a hit to carry out and she is enraged she she exclaims that she thought she was going to be giving the orders, not taking the orders, and she sees that nothing's really changed, and they're basically just trying to buy her off. They're going to give her money and things, but this isn't changing her power status, which we have seen through this whole season, is everything Villanelle is grasping for. So then we cut over to the Bitter Pill team who with Eve are discussing Nico and then also the garden kill comes up and Eve has been in disbelief that Villanelle would do this to Nico. She even says some weird shit like she knows he's off limits. Some very childish juvenile sounding thing but she sees the garden kill and right away identifies like oh Villanelle did this and if these things happened around the same time in different places in the world like Villanelle is not the one who pitchforked Nico and she alludes to the bus and the bitter pill guys are like what what's that and she has a bit of fight with a vending machine and bear comes out and is very kind to her and just having a moment with her and then he tells her about Dasha basically and of course he doesn't know much so Eve goes to Carolyn for the real intel and Carolyn says yeah she knows Dasha Dasha was kicked out of the KGB when they met she tells this weird story about Dasha picking a lemon before she sits down and then taking this like humongous bite out of a lemon in front of her which I mean I we can very easily imagine Dasha doing from the behavior we've seen of her so far and then we're in Russia and Villanelle and Constantine are watching a hockey game and Sometimes this show gets me and I just think like, wait, what is, how did we get here? And this was one of those moments and they're having just a sweet catch up. And you know, I am a huge fan of a Papa K and a Villanelle scene, especially when it's in this sort of sweet heart to heart tone. And Villanelle kind of admits that she killed her mom 
And Constantine sort of reprimands her and Villanelle says she wants to join him in escaping the Twelve and she wants to run away with him. And he is hesitant, but he basically says, yeah, she can also leave, but they can't all go at the same time because it, it won't be safe enough. And then it is revealed that they are actually at Irina's hockey game, Constantine's daughter, and Constantine missed her shooting the goal. And she sees that Villanelle's there and she gets so mad. She's like, why is she even here? You missed the whole reason you were here to see me. And Irina and Villanelle have the cutest bickering sesh. Love these two. And Villanelle says that she's like helping plan our travel plans. And Irina's like, no, 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 no. She, if she's coming, I'm not coming. And it's such a delightful back and forth. And Constantine says to Villanelle that she he begs her basically not to tip her hand that she wants to leave the 12. He says if they have even an idea that she wants out, they're just going to kill her. And he says he kind of tries to warn her also. He says that leaving means leaving everything, leaving the clothes, the apartment, leaving her, obviously referring to Eve. And Villanelle seems cool with it or seems like she's at least willing to try to be cool with it. She's like, I know, I know what's happening. And then we are back with Carolyn, who's having this clandestine park visit to discuss Kenny's death with Mike, uh, who we think is her Scotland Yard uh, hookup. And he gives, they have like a, a nice little friendly banter before they get into it. And then he gives her hard copies of this, but he says he also emailed this information to her desk a week ago. And when she called to say, ask where it was, he realized that she had never gotten it. And that's why he suggested they have this public in-person meeting. And she goes in to work and asks boss man Paul for the phone records. Where are they? And he says, they haven't gotten them yet. Scotland Yard's going slow, blah, blah, blah. And she just looks at him and she knows. And she says, are you working for them? And at first he very... uh meekly sort of tries to deny it and then he turns the tables on her and he asks her the same thing and they talk about not really trusting each other and he leaves saying that this is her office that she's demanded she get back and she surveys the room she's never stepped foot in and it's it's a, a funny little button on this very troubling scene and then we see arena getting dropped off at school by her douchey stepdad mom boyfriend guy and he gives her like a sandwich and tries to tussle her hair and it's just it's a bit much he also talks about her being on her period which like that's a, a weird thing for a mom's boyfriend to be bringing up out of nowhere out of context and it just sort of adds to the like ugh of this guy and then Villanelle is there and they are sitting on the swings together and Villanelle's like come on let's go hang out and Arena says do you think I'm stupid like I'm not gonna go with you I, I we've been through this before and it brought back all the memories of that beautiful earlier season where they had their like buddy show saga together and Villanelle says they can do anything that arena wants and so then we cut immediately to arena driving around some abandoned track area and they have so much good dialogue here there's such a good moment where villanelle is talking about waxing and arena's like oh you're so old everyone doesn't wax anymore like that's not just a given and she says, I don't want to look like a 12-year-old girl, which Villanelle is like, you are 12. And Arena is so enraged as any 14-year-old would be and says, I'm 14. Because at that age, when you're a young teen, every year you have just feels like another year of legitimacy and experience and being that much closer to being respected as an adult. And she basically gets Arena to spill that the plan is to get to Cuba. And then she shouts Cuba like crazy. And Arena is swerving all over the place. And then the text on screen for the next scene is not Cuba, which again, that's funny. That's a funny bit. But now I'm like, what even is this text on screen? Is this Star Wars? Is there just going to be long diatribes about random shit? 
So Carolyn uh, shows up outside of a corner store where Constantine is and they have a little interaction and she gets him in the car and starts driving him somewhere and then throws his wallet and phone out the window and she questions him, basically. He says that Geraldine kissed him, which also, ugh. And he says, Carolyn asks about Kenny calling him because in those records she got from Mike, it said that there were a bunch of calls to and from Russia right before he died. And Constantine, old Papa K, says Kenny asked him if he was his father the night before he died. And Carolyn is shocked and says, what did you say? And Papa K says, I told him I didn't know, which, ooh, devastating. And also, now I need to know. But Carolyn tells him to get out in the middle of this highway, not highway, winding country road. I don't know. In the middle of a deserted area on a road, forested. Why am I describing this so much? That's fine. And he is stuck there. And then Caroline, Carolyn and Geraldine have an argument when Carolyn gets home. Surprise, surprise. And they go back and forth. And they're also kind of bickering. And Carolyn has this devastating line where she says, you were your father's and Kenny was mine. And she talks about how Geraldine and her dad just got each other and Carolyn and Kenny just got each other. And now they're all each other have left. And it's it's really tender and heartbreaking. And Carolyn also talks a little bit about her lack of maternal instinct, how she's not one to just lie and pretend she likes the dumb shit her kids are doing or making and she doesn't have that in her and it's it's really sad she says they'll try to make it work and then she says Geraldine make your disgusting carrot soup you want to make but then you have to tell me everything that's gone on with you and Constantine like I need to go through these details with you because as much as I am not able to lie to you you're clearly able to lie to me zing Carolyn and then poor Papa K Constantine goes back home and he gets freaked out by yet another shadowed figure lurking on his bed and he screams and he's like people have to stop waiting in the dark for me and surprise surprise it's Paul that's right Carolyn's boss man nemesis from mi6 he's there he is working with the 12 dun 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 and he tells constantine that it actually wasn't the accountant guy they had killed who was siphoning off the money and now they're like "Ooh, who is it and things are very heightened and they're looking into the accountant's wife and constantine's like oh why is she suspicious and he says no she's dead so we need to know who ordered that hit and we need you to find out and poor poor constantine because of course he is the one who ordered that hit he asked villanelle as a favor for her to go kill that woman and things are escalating. It also is interesting because it seems like Paul is in charge of Constantine. So not only is he working with the 12, I'd assume he's at a fairly high level. So Barcelona, Eve shows up at Dasha's bowling alley. This was my favorite scene of the episode. It was kooky. It was a little bit much, but I just loved it so much. Dasha has like her own embroidered bowling jacket on. She obviously takes her bowling very seriously and she is surprised to see Eve, but she also seems bitter because Eve starts playing right away with her and she seems bitter that Eve just has this natural knack for bowling and she keeps questioning like if she's played before. Meanwhile, Eve is questioning Dasha about the things that really matter and she says she doesn't believe Villanelle stabbed Nico and Dasha's trying to play it cool and they go back and forth and Dasha says that she created Villanelle and that Villanelle will never be loyal to Eve and Eve will never win and then she says right at the end of this sort of intense dynamic scene to Eve that she could kill her anytime and then she says end of game walks out leaves the bowling alley it's a real mic drop moment and we see Villanelle waiting on a bed and text on screen. 
Is it a location? Of course not. It says, this is bullshit, which is funny. I agree. And we basically see her do the kill of the politician that she was uh, asked to do at the beginning of the episode. She has him in a makeup chair and she is pretending to do his makeup for an appearance. And she kills him in the chair with this hair dryer, one of those like hood hair dryers you see at old school barbershops or uh, certain salons. I have very curly hair naturally, so curly hair salons usually have those. And he gets electrocuted through that thing, but not before he grabs her hair cutting scissors out of her apron and stabs her. And she pulls the scissors out and drops them to the floor and gets out as he's being electrocuted. But, like, that's her DNA. That's blood. That's really bad evidence she's just left there. And it's clear she's so... Her heart is not in this in the slightest. So Constantine calls Arena with a, a very, in my opinion, bad code, basically telling her to get ready. School's going to be out early this year. Uh, and then we cut back to Dasha entering the bathroom, coming home from the bowling alley, and Villanelle is on the floor trying to stitch up her own wound, which looks horrible. And Villanelle is, she's just, she's broken. She says she's done. She says uh, she's a keeper, so Dasha should be able to go home now. And Dasha's like, ah, you think I'm going to be allowed to go home after you fucking this up so bad? And Villanelle cries, and she's doing the exact opposite of what Constantine asked her to do and fully showing her hand that she's done and burnt out and wants out. And she says, I don't want to do this anymore. And Dasha says, just clean yourself up and I'll order pizza. And we don't know. We don't know if Dasha is going to have some form of loyalty to her and try to help her get her head back in the game. If Dasha is going to go rat on her, we have no idea. And then we see Eve staring in the hospital window at Nico, just sort of, I don't know, maybe getting her last glances at him. He's made it abundantly clear she's not welcome in his life, and maybe she's finally going to get that memo. And then we cut to Arena in a car, and Con it's nighttime. Constantine's waiting by the gate with a suitcase sort of in the shadows, and her mom's boyfriend, stepdaddy, is putting out the garbage in a bin. And then suddenly, Irina just straight up drives into him, strikes him with the car, smiles, and then crushes his body, driving over him slowly. And Papa K is witnessing all of this, and he just, he has a look of shock. And obviously, he's upset. He's just witnessed his daughter murder someone in cold blood i mean he has had some creepy behavior we've witnessed but she said to villanelle on those swings that his the worst thing about him was that he's nice like he's just trying too hard and if that's the case if this guy wasn't like you know doing some shady shit that's a pretty ruthless murder to just kill i i guess because she thinks they're running away to cuba she can get away with doing anything and because of who her father is of course but it'll be really interesting to see the fallout from that all right that was the episode it was pretty intense and let's get our guest on the line to chat about it to do our top top tops to read some eve mails you know how this podcast works you also listen to it Am I right, ladies? Okay. Amanda is a brilliant writer, creator, actor, comedian, podcaster from Toronto. Amanda, do you just want to introduce yourself to our audience a little bit about who you are, what you do? Sure, yeah. I'm an actor, creator uh, in Toronto. I perform uh, live comedy and improv around the city, or I guess I did before COVID, and I will when we're allowed out again. Um, I created a digital comedy called Beck and Call with some friends. You can watch it online. We'll talk about it later. Um, and yeah, I just recently launched a podcast called the Liquid Courage Podcast, which we'll also chat about a little later. 
fantastique. Ooh, wish I hadn't said that like that. Uh, <laughs> let's let's jump right into uh, the episode. Yeah. So I know you had some thoughts, things mm-hmm. you liked thematically that were done. Um, what what really stood out to you in this week's episode? I mean, definitely like the continuation of the theme of family stuck out so much, and just like the cyclical nature of familial dynamics and behaviors about you know that like how your parents sort of how how like your parents treat you and how they behave can really influence how you behave later how you treat people later and we saw that last week um with the episode with Villanelle being you know meeting her her mom um and we saw that this week and I just I loved that it was showing like families can come in all these different forms and flavors and recipes um And yeah, so I loved that part. Also, there was like, really, I really respect the way that this, that the show deals with grief and like presents grief um, and shows all these different characters handling it in such different ways. I don't feel like they glamorize it and it's not like a one size fits all thing. So I feel like we got to see a lot of that in this episode as well. Yeah, I I think it's interesting because we hear a lot in the world about generational trauma Mm. and that being something that can kind of uh, be passed down from your parents and their parents and I think it's interesting that in this episode and in the last two we're seeing sort of maybe a generational link of like homicide and desire to kill (laughs) and like and what it's like when your parents and you aren't alike which was illustrated really beautifully in the Carolyn and Geraldine relationship too when you just don't understand each other and can't really connect Mm -hmm. and then when she's like you're right like when Carolyn sang to her daughter like you're right we all we're all that each other has so like go make your stew and I'll try and pretend to enjoy it like that that to me I was like oh that's family like sometimes (laughs) you're like listen this is all the family we got so I love that and yeah the generational trauma I mean I feel like they've been bringing that up so much um throughout this season and I think they continue that in this episode I am a huge fan of this week's episode I loved it I thought you can't top last week's and then this one just like I was I was so excited to get to talk about it with you well yeah and it's funny because we were talking a little before about how this episode was a bit divisive in that some viewers found it really boring or slow and especially after last week it felt like the tension was kind of dissipated mm. from Nico's stabby stab mm. but there <laughs> there was a lot that happened yeah like I so I I was mentioning to you like I um before this was trying not to read what the fans were saying because I really didn't want it to influence or or my opinion or like make me see the episode differently and I feel so opposite to that like I felt so much tension throughout this episode like familial tension of um Geraldine and Carolyn and like between them and then so much between Irina and Villanelle and Constantine like I I was loving this episode and I feel like they dropped in a bunch of um like bomb moments too on us with like the car with Constantine and Carolyn and us finding out like maybe Constantine is Kenny's dad like I'm sorry what more excitement do you need yeah that 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 moment really had me just desperate for the answer immediately yeah. <laughs> which of course they're never gonna give immediate answer to something like I that know. but uh, I want to I know. know that's the nice part about when you are behind on a show and you can marathon it you can like get those answers but watching it's hard to keep me around to watch a show live like week to week and Killing Eve does it so I mean I will stick around to find out the answers so I mean they're doing something right it's true it's a little torturous (laughs) but still pretty good um should we jump straight into the top top tops since we we have a lot going on there let's let's start with uh top kill because (sighs) we have a lot of thoughts and the top kill surprise surprise for me this week (laughs) and I believe also for you was not a villanelle kill yeah what like that's weird eh but I almost feel like it was a vill like a mini villanelle kill like I feel like she so I guess um yeah favorite kill for sure is Irina killing her stepdad slash mother's partner boyfriend whatever and I can't help but think that the joy ride with villanelle and their conversation like sort of influenced 
Irina's like spirit or like, I don't know. It sort of like flipped a switch and like gave her permission to be a little mini Villanelle. So maybe it was a Villanelle kill, like two, two steps removed. <laughs> That's adorable. Like a granddaughter. Like a little kill. granddaughter. I was so shocked by yeah. that. I did not see her straight up cold-blooded murdering someone happening and the fact that it's just so quick and that she has zero remorse for it she's beaming with joy and pride and Constantine's face just washing with the realization that like this is the daughter he has raised yeah and like his responsibility in it I couldn't help but think maybe I'm hardcore projecting but I was like celebrating in the joy that was on Irina's face like when she smiled at the end and then Constantine's face it just I'm not projecting that I'm projecting this part um on Constantine I was like this is like what's his responsibility in this and we talk about that like generational trauma like he is raising her you know she's not blind to the fact that he's in the business of killing people or having people being killed like she fully knows that so like, you can't control and compartmentalize these things as much as maybe you want to. And I just loved it. And I know I said before, like, I loved the fact that we don't know how warranted this kill was, right? Like, we don't know definitively if this stepdad was a creep or not. And I think the show did that purposely, in my opinion, um, or purposefully. But that doesn't really matter how warranted it was for Irina because it was warranted enough for her to kill him. And I, I thought it just like, I don't know. It just speaks to like, why do we have to wait until something objectively bad happens before we validate our gut instincts that something is not okay? I'm not saying kill somebody, but I'm just saying <laughs> go murder, murder someone because they're a bit. Yeah, weird. you feel a little awkward, but I just I I feel like leading up to it, so much of it was in those unspoken things. Like, and Villanelle knew right away: is he a pervert? Also, why does your stepdad saying, "I know it's your time of month"? Like, ew, get away. Yeah, I. It's funny because in doing the recap, I think I was a little bit harsh about him not being that bad mm. of a guy and Arena just murdering him. <laughs> But I think you're right that there are clues that if something hasn't happened already, something untoward probably would happen. Mm -hmm. And Arena lives in a world where the way people deal with that sort of conflict arising is eliminated entirely <laughs> through murder. Yeah, well, and she does sort of grow up in this world where there are a lot of examples of being untouchable. I mean, definitely she's still affected by a lot of these things, but Villanelle seems somewhat untouchable and and I think she got a little bit of that in that joy ride you know driving around I know said before like that quintessential like teenager feeling untouchable you know I don't know if she would have done it if Irina was older and an adult but yeah as a kid it's like I think she felt this is an unsafe guy and how how am I being modeled to show that we deal with people like that well we kill them <laughs> so in her world <laughs> yeah, no, big, yeah deal. no big deal we just kill them off um again I feel like I should preface that I would be giving different advice or feel differently if this was a real life situation but in a show I'm like murder the guy murder him yesterday Ooh, love the disclaimer yeah. <laughs> okay well, let's move on to top let's ship do it. while we're in the arena category yeah. uh because I think we also have the same one for that my top ship of course was Villanelle and arena mm -hmm. Together again, together at last, the dynamic duo. I love it. And I know you said before, like, now that Irina's a little bit older, we're getting to see them connect in, like, a different, more satisfying way. I Not to put words in your mouth, but, like, I totally agree that now that she's older, it's, like, more fun to see them together. And I love this sort of, like, tug of war, unspoken and fully spoken, between the two of them for Constantine's, like, affection and also loyalty. I feel like, you know... Irina wants Constantine to choose her over Villanelle and Villanelle wants Constantine to choose her over Irina and in that they are on the same side like they want the same things they have way more similarities than differences and maybe you know they're showing that in having Irina kill her stepdad they're like well maybe they're not you know Constantine sort of raised both of them <laughs> so oh that's so funny I didn't even think about the parallel there that she just killed this stepfather figure 
right after Villanelle killed her mom. Right, too. right. Like killing off these, killing off these parents that weren't really parents or aren't really parents to them. Um, or that also like these parental figures that they didn't feel safe around. I also think it's like sort of interesting. Again, maybe I'm digging like way too deep, but that's the fun of it. Um, I think it's interesting that like in the last episode, so Villanelle wants Constantine, you know, to sort of be like, to love her like a daughter, you know, when he's, when she's asking previously, like, do you think I was cute as a baby and all these things? And then she kills off her other like parental figure in her life. So basically just Constantine is left. Now Irina's killing off a stepdad. Like she still has her mom, but they're sort of eliminating where they only have Constantine left as this like parental figure or, or less people. And I, yeah, I really think the show is like showing more parallels between Irina and Villanelle than maybe we originally thought. Yeah, and we see, I mean, back in the earlier seasons when Arena was younger and it, more of a precocious youngster, mm-hmm. it was such a cute dynamic. But now we're seeing even more of like that sibling dynamic where it's like fight, fight, bicker, bicker. But there's this undercurrent of like love and safety mm-hmm. there that's very interesting and very compelling to watch. Totally. And I think what makes part of it compelling is this like, idea that it's gonna boil over eventually because even though they have this like commonality that I totally agree like I was seeing two sisters in the car you know and so even though they have that deep down they both want to be the only one and so I don't think they can coexist with Constantine like if them three run away together somebody's gonna die like for sure so I just I'm so interested to see where it goes and how that relationship is going to grow in 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 like um in later episodes yeah i i really am excited to see how that evolves and i hope arena stays alive that's all i'll say but are there like oh but with this show i know you've said this before on the podcast but like with this show i'm finding there's people who i'm like oh i really like them and then i'm almost afraid to fall in love with people because they're just gonna die yeah, it's like if you like anyone too much, that should be a bad yeah. sign, a bit of a warning yeah. sign. Uh, okay, let's move on to Top Ship. Nope. Oh, that was Top <laughs> Ship. Top Line. Top Line. Okay, uh, what was yours? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my Top Line was in the hockey arena when Villanelle is there. I think the Canadian in me was like, oh, hockey, fun. And the nerdy indoor kid drama kid in me was like oh I couldn't relate to this line about sports more when she says do they sell hot dogs here you can't watch sports without hot dogs (laughs) oh it's so true oh my gosh I mean, look, a beer and a snack. I'll go to a sports game. 100%. I love that you said sports. It wasn't even a specific one. Like, what sport do you want to go to? Is there food and beer? Okay, sure. Like, I'll go. Yeah, yeah, I know. Great. No problem. Yeah. It was funny. She had like a bunch of um, funny, uh, funny lines like for Villanelle in that scene. Because even when she said like, Irina's good. And Constantine's like, the other team won. She's like, oh, go other team. Like she just, <laughs> I loved that scene. So yeah. good. Uh, what was your top line? So my top line, um, yeah, my top line was, when uh, Villanelle and Irina are chatting. I just loved them this episode. Honestly, they captured, they just captivated me the whole time. But um, when Villanelle says, is he a pervert about the stepdad? And then Irina says, no, he's just really, really dot, 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 nice. And I just, that nice, like, oh, I'm even feeling the weight of it now. I just felt it. I was like, God, how much, she just couldn't find the words. She didn't maybe feel... Like, she had enough evidence to call him any sort of thing. So it was just like, and he's disguising it in nice niceties. So I guess nice. Uh, that that said so much to me. And I know I said before, like, I really felt like from the writer, the showrunner, the, the whole show, that conversation for me and this storyline with her stepdad in this episode was a gift. Like, I, it resonated so hard and it was such a gift. Yeah, I think you're right that the subtlety of the way they showed it too is really interesting Mm -hmm. and very different than the way a normal crime procedural would be like watch this fucked up man like molest a kid then watch the fallout this is about like the way smaller moments before things escalate Mm -hmm. and this is 
this is the real and not that um, the other example doesn't happen as well. But I think this is the more common occurrence of what's happening and in real life. Like this was more relatable to me. And also that Irina is not afraid to say what she thinks. Like we see her calling out her dad, calling out Villanelle. So the fact that she's saying, no, he's just really, really. And she said, nice. Like she could have reamed him. Yeah, he's weird. Blah, blah. He, she could have said all these things. But it's showing there is this somewhat like power dynamic or confusion. She's questioning herself, all these things of like what what she's thinking about him. And I just, to me, it summed so much up. And I wanted to just be like, no, say he's a creep. Say what you think, because clearly it's more than just the, or different than the nice. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think you're right that as a teen girl, Mm -hmm. a lot of times your feelings and your instincts are not taken seriously. Absolutely. So you're not really able to speak on those or you don't feel empowered to speak on those because it's not what everyone else is seeing and experiencing. And that's so often how really terrible abuse patterns and dynamics happen is because people all people but especially women and gender minorities tend to feel very looked down upon and afraid to sort of speak what they feel like is happening Mm -hmm. and so often I mean it's like the my favorite murder uh whole ethos of fuck politeness Mm -hmm. like you don't have to help someone if you have a bad feeling about it and you think there might be danger there even if everyone else would look at this that scenario and be like there's no danger you're fine you're overreacting if there is something in your gut saying don't trust Mm -hmm. this it's okay not to trust it 100 percent, 100 percent. and and I think what's really beautiful is then the show also demonstrates that on the other side of these women like you know Eve having a gut instinct like Villanelle didn't, you know, pitchfork Nico. This wasn't her. Or Carolyn knowing um, with Paul, like knowing that she's being fucked over. Like, I feel like there are so many examples of women in this show owning their power and also being like, no, I think something and therefore it's valid. It doesn't mean that it's right. It could be incorrect, but it's valid. And I just so it so it was it was more impactful and like this soft moment where Irene is like, no, he's just really, really nice. Like when when do you say? I, yeah, I just it was so powerful for me. And there was tons of awesome lines in this episode. I wrote down so many. And that one I was just like, no, I had a visceral reaction to that one. It has to be that one. That brings <laughs> us to our final top, which is, of course, our new one. Top outfit. Oh, love it. I'm a little nervous. What did you think, Amanda? You're nervous? I'm a little nervous to say mine because I don't know. I'm like, oh, my God, do I have any fashion sense? So I'm just going to say it. My top outfit was Dasha's bowling outfit. Oh, I love that answer. And you know what's so funny? That was my first instinct. And then I went in and went through the episode again and looked at everybody's outfit. And I was like, yeah, I love her bomber jacket with Dasha. I even love this shoes. And I was like, let me tell you, I would bet money that these shoes are not rented from the bowling alley. Dasha brought her own shoes in. Like, oh, 100%. Right? I loved it. Like, I just, I love the idea that this, like, lethal killer, also like child gymnastics coach, has like her own bowling outfit and enjoys bowling. Bowling is polarizing. People either love it or hate it. And Dasha loves it. And I loved her outfit while she was playing. It's funny. There's a real like commonality there in the way we see Villanelle, you know, dress and treat her clothing and stuff. It's the first time we've seen like, oh, Dasha also has her weird style and her weird, Mm. like, why is she dressing up in a jacket with her name (laughs) embroidered on it? Like, I didn't even, yeah, that's so think of that villanelli is villanelli. I didn't even think of that. Uh, I love that answer because I went in basically the opposite direction (laughs) for me in this episode. It was all about that opening scene with Villanelle and oh. Helene. Mm. Uh, first of all, Helene looks gorgeous. And her outfit, I was like, I just want to buy everything you're mm-hmm. wearing and wear it and look like a fancy Parisian lady. Um, but in that scene, Villanelle's suit number with these pointy shoulders. I rewound that <laughs> scene because I was like, I was like, am I? imagining those shoulders are it's not like the 80s shoulder pads of yore it's these 
straight up pointy shoulders, like a Lady Gaga yeah, outfit or something. Totally. And it is it the rest of the suit it's like a very neutral dark color it's very plain it would look like just a boring nice ladies suit if not for these weird <laughs> fashion points and i thought you know what that's impressive and i it liked was it. yeah and it looks like the kind of thing i would see in a store and be like i can pull that off right and then as soon as i bought it i'd be like no what am i what have i done no okay now we need like all listeners to bond together pitch in some money to get christy that beautiful suit and i mean we all because you 100 percent could pull that off and also so i almost chose that and the thing that made me rewind was the shoes. She has these beautiful, like, gold shoes. When I saw the shoes in that outfit, it almost made me choose it. And I love a good shoulder pad. But I just couldn't get away from Dash's bowling outfit. But, no, I mean, the the scene with um, in the beginning with those two, with Villanelle and – was it Helena? Elena? I was like, what is her name? I think it's, like, Helena. Helena. Like- okay. But I don't, I have also not looked into it <laughs> well, that far. Beautiful Woman uh, in the White. Yeah, that was like stunning uh, cinematography with, and like seeing them in their outfits. It was gorgeous. I don't blame you for choosing that. Oh. And so that scene in general, I love just like the glamour and glitz of this bougie boardroom juxtaposed with her talking to her like bratty kid (laughs) and her mom who won't deal with the bratty kid it was just so good to be like ah yes working mothers it doesn't matter how classy you are or how evil your corporation is you still gotta deal with like your kids well and you know what else I saw in that actually too is that like we just came off of seeing Villanelle literally having to tell her mother that I have to kill you now and then killing her and now we're opening up on a scene where Villanelle is watching a woman who is not even on the phone. She's on speakerphone, t- like making her child feel better about like a trivial falling off a scooter and being like, do you want ice cream? Are you okay? Putting that before business. And Villanelle couldn't even have her mom like want her to stay at home. Like again, this like idea of family and and parental um, like lack of of parental guidance or like wishing that you had a parental figure in your life. I just think it keeps and yeah, priorities, and priorities too. totally. It keeps being shoved in Villanelle's face. Like, look at all these moms and dads who prioritize their kids. <laughs> like this poor woman. <sighs> yeah, rough stuff. Well, that's top top tops. We did it. We made it through. Woo! Theoretically, everything's working. Shall we move on to Eve mail? Oh, let's do it. I think this is so cool. Eve mail. Eve mail. So for our Eve mail this week, uh, I decided to catch up because we had a couple different Eve mails about past episodes. Mm. And before they're just lost to time, I thought we should check in with some of them. So the first one is from Elise. And she says, hey, my name is Elise. I'm from Switzerland. And I went to Barcelona a few years ago. The place Constantine and Villanelle were in is a gondola lift between two towers in the city. It flies above the city and is awesome. It made me laugh so much when Villanelle started jumping all over the place and Constantine was so stressed out. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Uh, Enjoy your podcast, Elise. Uh, I love that. Thank you so much. I had asked in that episode what what the gondola situation was. I love a gondola. I'm not like a huge fan of heights, but something about a monorail or a gondola just being above ground, even like in Paris when, you know, it's the subway above ground. Mm. Like I I'm a real sucker for that. Something about getting to see a city instead of being burrowed underground for transport is very romantic to me no totally and I just I just love I love how like Constantine brings out the more um I know you talked about this last week on the episode like how Villanelle has this childlike quality to her and how she's sort of like throws temper tantrums and it's just well now she's grown up so her temper tantrums are like murdering people but uh, that like childish side of her comes out so often when she's with Constantine and like that sort of like devious playful side and so when she was jumping around scaring him like I just or when she scared him when he came home and she scared him in bed and stuff I just I love those side that side of her oh Mm -hmm. same big same our next email comes from Nicola and Nicola says fourth wall break 
Nicholas said, I've just listened to the podcast for episode five and loved it as always. I hope you don't mind me going back to the fifth episode. I was too slow to email you beforehand, but I had to ask about the fourth wall break that Jody does in the final scene where Villanelle is crying on the train. To This, to me, made what was an already heart-wrenching scene so personal, and I think it was meant for the audience to really feel for Villanelle and to let us know that she's not okay right now. Either something's changed within her or she's just wanting so badly for someone to help her. The fact that it was in there just blew my mind. It was so subtle and powerful. I would love to get your thoughts on this if you have time in the next episode. Also, did you see that Elton John tweeted about the show? Thanks, Nicola. Oh, he did. I know you were asking about or you guys were chatting about that in the last episode. Oh, my God. That's cool. Yes. Yeah. He tweeted and said like that he was basically thrilled to be part of such a great show, blah, 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 and tweeted to the episode. It was lovely. It was a lovely little mention. Wow. To the fourth wall comment. Okay. So I saw that and thought I was crazy. Like I... I was like, no, there's, I was like, oh my God, she just looked into camera. But I just thought that it was in my head. So I'm so glad that you read this email when I was here because yeah, it was such a poignant moment. It's so funny. I didn't remember that. Like, I didn't remember a look to camera Mm -hmm. in that moment. And I know so much was going on in that moment and her crying was so intense and the jumpsuit of her mother's was so (laughs) intense. But I had to go back. I was really, really surprised. And I thought, I wondered if that was a conscious choice or if that was like sort of an actor mistake or something that like after cut had been called happened and they just kept it in the edit. <gasps> oh, I would love to know. I, I agree because it it could have just like maybe it wasn't purposeful or maybe it wasn't planned. Maybe it wasn't directed to happen. Um, it was also so subtle that you could miss it. it like it was so it's so easy to miss. But if you see it, it was sort of, it was, it was kind of like, I mean, fourth wall shattering for a moment. I was like, was that a mistake? Did she mean to? Is she? And I had this thought, is she okay? Yeah. Really, really good catch. Our next email is from Paul. And Paul says, in 305 last week, I was surprised you and your listeners didn't notice the resemblance between Villanelle's mother and Eve. Not saying she was a doppelganger, but she was an inspired casting choice, and her one-off supporting role to Jodie Comer's lead was amazing to watch. With the shock of hair, facial features, see lips, eyebrows, expressions, and disheveled demeanor, she had me wondering if Villanelle was somehow going to kill Eve vicariously by killing her own mother. It can't be a coincidence. The absence of Eve in this episode was even more effective to draw out the illusion. There may be other parallels and disturbing implications I haven't thought of, but interesting in your take am I on to something Paul Henderson Nevada what are your thoughts on that Amanda it's so interesting as you were reading I'm like oh I want to hear what Christy thinks about this because so I didn't I don't know if I felt many similarities between Villanelle's mom and Eve and and you know I don't know if this is the popular opinion but like I I thought her mom was of course like you know awful but I was sort of bummed that she died. Like, I wanted to see more of that relationship go on. Um, Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Did you see similarities? I think for me, it's all in the hair. Mm. And I think uh, they talked before, like, she talked about her mom having, like, stringy, shitty hair. (laughs) And we've seen her obsession and fascination with Eve's hair and with Anna's Mm -hmm. hair and, like, random women on the street, all that kind of thing. So it's it's hard to say like I I thought that the power that that actress uh her name is uh, Evgina Dodina I thought she was incredible and I thought the power she brought to it and sort of the way she held herself I could see being compared to Eve perhaps Mm -hmm. but I I don't know that I would say uh, it was such a comparison like maybe how disheveled she was compared to season three like sad Eve <laughs> there's a comparison to be made there but yeah I thought that was an interesting take and I'd be really interested to hear other viewers uh, or listener lis- viewers of the show <laughs> listeners of the podcast opinions on that if you saw similarities because obviously in personality like uh, Villanelle's mom was a monster mm-hmm. 
All right, our final email for this week is from Izzy in London. And Izzy says, Hi, Christy. I'm loving the podcast and the new series. Series means season in England, everybody. No braggies that I know that. Uh, I wondered what your take is on the comparisons between season one Villanelle and season three Villanelle. A lot of people have pointed out that in season one, episode five, during the dinner scene, Villanelle says she doesn't want to do this anymore. And then she says it again in this episode, season three, episode six. Do you think in hindsight there was any sincerity the first time she said it? Stay safe, Izzy. Um... Thank you, Izzy. I think that's an interesting cue. I think in season one, when she says that, it's, I I don't really believe it. I think maybe like subconsciously, there's a part of her who longs for something more or something different, but I don't really believe that she wants out of the game because at that point, she's sort of at the top of the game. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Amanda? Yeah, I feel very similarly. I I don't, I buy it a lot less the first season. I also think that, I think the seasons are using this like I want out as uh, devices to explore like completely different themes. I think in the first season, it was more about like having a regular life, quote unquote, versus this sort of um, addictive, self-destructive life. And we see that with, Eve and Nico we see that with Villanelle so I actually think that I want out was more of like exploring addiction to your profession and I actually think that having Villanelle say like I want out was sort of more of a um like an assist did I just make a sports reference yes I did um wow uh like this is the sportiest episode (laughs) of Spilling Eve yet I think like sort of as an assist to Eve's narrative and what Eve was thinking and I think this season Villanelle saying I want out is actually forefront in her story if that makes sense like I don't see them as the same sort of struggle and yeah I mean I buy it more this season and I think I said this before like but I'm not quite sure why I I don't know yet and I'm really interested to see where they go with it of like why does she want out so bad what is so different maybe you know I know we said like the monotony maybe or wanting more and it's just not as as fulfilling anymore but yeah but I see them I see them differently it's a really interesting thing to bring up I also think that the way that the villanelle is written and the way she evolves it it is a quite significantly different character I have a friend who is a writer and she was applying to a writing program and had to do a spec script which is in in tv writing a spec script just means like a fictional script episode of an existing show so like you're writing an episode of the good place or whatever um and it used to be really common in tv writing now it's less so people more want original pilots but still sometimes for samples and a lot of times for programs and workshops you'll have to send in spec scripts just to show you can sort of like write in the voice of an existing show which is what a staff writer does so my friend caitlin wrote a spec of killing eve and i got to read it which i was so excited about and we had been planning on doing a live read performance in toronto and recording it for the podcast which i'm so sad we won't be doing Mm -hmm. now um but she set the episode in between season or episode one and two of season one so it was like right at the beginning of the show and it was interesting because I gave her notes on the script and I had some notes about character and then she sort of called me on them and said you have to remember this is how Villanelle and Eve are at the very beginning of the show Mm -hmm. And I went back and watched a little bit of the pilot and was like, you're right. The characters do behave a little bit differently just just off the bat. And of course, it's different writers and different showrunners, but also so much happens over the course of the last two and a half seasons. Yeah, they really they really do like, you know, and I know like I know you say this so much on the podcast, rightfully so, of like. What credit those especially the two leads should get on their performances of being able to keep these characters still familiar and consistent, but allow them to grow under completely different showrunners. Like that is 
it's incredible that they're able to do it, that I'm able to watch season one, two, and three of, you know, I'm specifically thinking of, of even Villanelle and be like, yep, this is the same even Villanelle, but also it is black and white difference from last season. And it's being, you know, run by a different captain of the ship every time. And I think it's, it's incredible, incredible work for on everybody's, on everyone's part. 100%. All right, that is the end of email, which brings us to our last two mini segments. Let's start with recommendation station. So, Amanda, do you have anything to recommend our listeners? Oh, I love a good rhyme. Um, I was trying to think about this, and like COVID, I have to say, has shoved me into deep, deep dives of reality television, and I don't think I should necessarily recommend that. Um, <laughs> just a lot of Real Housewives, uh, RuPaul for sure, but I'll recommend that all day. Um. I've also been watching a lot of documentaries um, and that's been really fun. But I think one thing I'm going to recommend and I feel so like boring doing this, but I uh, recently finished Ozark season three, maybe a little bit behind the time, but I thought it was, it's, I loved it. And I actually like commend Jason Bateman because I think you see him in like a totally different light. And for a while it's hard to see him in that way because he's so likable but he like anyway so Ozark I think is sort of what I'm gonna recommend people watch that's great I've heard great things about that season although I have not watched it myself yeah it's good well and I know every week you're getting new recommendations so it's impossible for you to stay on top of like being able to watch all of them you know believe it or not I find a lot of time for watching tv in my days For me, my recommendation this week, I just started the second season of Dead to Me on Netflix, which I'm really enjoying. Chris and I have been like plowing through the episodes. The actresses are so good. Linda Cardellini and Christina Applegate are so funny and their chemistry is so good together. And James Marsden is in it. I don't want to say too much because it might be a bit of a giveaway, but he is doing some really excellent work in this second season that is much more fun and interesting than the first. So yeah, I'd really recommend that show if anyone has not checked it out. I I only watched the pilot and I, for whatever reason, didn't get to go back to it. And like, I keep hearing amazing things. So I want, yeah, I got, I got to get into it. It's a real good, like, pour yourself a bottle of wine and watch the a whole season in a sitting kind of love, show. That's all I ask for in my shows. All right. That brings us to plugs. Mm. So, Miss Amanda, where can people watch Beck and Call? Where can they listen to your podcast? Yeah. Um, and what a lovely opportunity you're giving your guests to be able to plug things at the end. It's it's very uh, generous and, and thoughtful of you. Uh, I'm a very nice you are. person. Oh, I love so, it. Yes. Um, you are. I believe that in all sincerity. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Beck and Call. So it is a digital comedy I created with um, some other artist friends of mine. It's about two female talent agents who uh, represent dog actors and they want to dominate all of Hollywood, but they're... You know, they're kind of stuck with just one quote unquote actor who's like an aging pug dog. And they're currently sort of the underdogs, pun intended, of the entertainment industry. So we just released a new episode online. We have a few more coming actually with yours truly, Christie's, And it has a part in the next episode, which is very exciting. Uh, I have a very small part, but I was mostly just thrilled <laughs> to be on set with you guys and with Bella, uh, your wonderful yeah. dog, who is also the star of the She's series. The best. Well, and you know, when you sort of like create shows... You're thinking like, oh, I just want to hire, you know, all my friends that are like so talented and so wonderful. And um, and when you write digital, it's short, especially if you're writing it to help yourself get a role that all the other characters have like two lines. So you're like, you deserve to have 300 lines, but I'm going to give you two. Could you come say these two lines? But um, so you can uh, catch Beck and Call. Uh, I guess easiest is Instagram is sort of our hub. So that's at Beck and Call TV or you can search Beck and Call TV on YouTube. Um, and then the second or the, the final plug is, yeah, I started a podcast and actually so much thanks to you, Christy, because I think that's how I found out about Killing Eve. Maybe, maybe I'm getting my timelines mixed up, but, uh, I met with you about like, I want to start a podcast. How do I do it? And you were so gracious in, in advising me and, and supporting me. I was like, don't even think (laughs) about it. There's no more room in this industry. Just don't do it. But if you're going to, um, (laughs) oh my God, no, you're, you're selling yourself short. You were like so forthcoming with, with advice and support and encouragement. And it was like so wonderful. So, um, yeah, I just, I just launched it last month. It's called the liquid courage podcast. So 
It's every Wednesday, and every week I sit down with a different woman in the entertainment industry that I admire, and I ask them questions that otherwise I would be, like, way too intimidated or self-conscious to ask them about their life and their career and their fears or what inspires them, and that's really scary for me so we get a little tipsy with their favorite beverage every episode um so you can check us out at liquid courage podcast on instagram um or just on apple podcast spotify the liquid courage podcast fantastic amanda thank you so much for coming on the show having me such a delight uh it's taken way too long but we finally (laughs) did it via the internet If you guys aren't already following us online, we are at Spilling Eve on Twitter and Instagram. We're pretty active on Twitter. The Facebook group is bumping as per usual. So join that if you're not already a part of it. Please send us in your email, spillingeve at gmail.com. I love when you guys say where you're from Mm. in the emails. It makes it so fun for me to see, you know listeners from all over the world also if you want to record a voicemail just do a short voice memo on your phone and send me the file keep it short like 30 seconds to a minute and we will play that on the show too thank you so much for listening have a great week everyone and remember do not kill anyone this podcast has been brought to you by the sonar network Okay, should I hit stop record or should I keep recording? Do I stop it now? Okay, fabulous.